Good morning, everybody. It is 7.50 on November 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Samir. Today, we're going to be talking with uh, Mandy Hagseth from the Missouri Family Health Council. Uh, Here's your wake-up call for Tuesday, November 2nd on KOPN Columbia 89.5. The weather this week is going to be cold, the high reaching 49 today. Right now, we're like barely above freezing at 35. So stay tuned for a full weather report. Right now, let's get into some news. Uh, Number one from Laura Olson with the Missouri Independent. Uh, Follow up from last week. If CDC signs off, COVID-19 shots for kids will begin later this week. This says... Quote, within minutes of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's announcement Friday, giving the green light to Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11, a massive logistics operation launched to prepare for the final regulatory step. Some 15 million doses of the vaccine began to move from Pfizer's freezers to distribution centers, requiring dry ice tracking labels and specialized shipping containers for their journeys to vaccine sites across the country. Over the next few days, several million of these doses will arrive in the offices of local pediatricians and family doctors, as well as hospitals, pharmacies, and other health centers. These logistics are intended to ensure that if the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention give its approval after a panel of vaccine experts meet today, vials of the vaccine formulated for kids will be ready to go later this week. And our second item from Jason Hancock, also of The Independent, is Missouri governor continues to attack on reporter who found a security flaw on the state website. So Missouri governor Mike Parson once again on Sunday took aim at a reporter who notified the state of a security flaw in one of its websites, questioning the journalist's motives and noting he'd support prosecution of any state employee found to have assisted the reporter. In a TV interview with Scott Fawn, a longtime Parsons reporter, the governor said the criminal investigation he ordered to be conducted by the Missouri State Highway Patrol is still ongoing. When asked if he would support prosecution of any state employee discovered to have helped uncover the security flaw, Parson quickly answered that he would most certainly do so. And finally, to bring it into what we'll be speaking with Mandy about today, Supreme Court questions Texas law banning most abortions by Mark Sherman and Jessica Greska at the AP. A ma- quote, a majority of the Supreme Court signaled Monday they would allow abortion providers to pursue a court challenge to a Texas law that has virtually ended abortion in the nation's second largest state after six weeks of pregnancy. But it was unquick- unclear how quickly the court would rule and whether it would issue an order blocking the law that has been in effect for two months or require providers to ask a lower court to put the law on hold. All right, well, right now we're going to be talking to Mandy Hagseth, Director of Policy and Advocacy at the Missouri Family Health Council. And uh, let's bring her on and let's start talking. Uh, Hi, Mandy. How's it going? Good morning. Good. How are you? I'm well. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about this, uh, what went on with the Supreme Court hearing this Texas abortion bill yesterday? Yeah, so I'm sure many listeners are familiar with the now sort of infamous Texas abortion ban, also known as SB8. You know, it's not unusual for a state to pass an abortion ban despite a lack of constitutionality. But what distinguishes the Texas law from others is this sort of bounty hunter provision, which deputizes private citizens to enforce the law and also allows the state of Texas to avoid judicial review. So the ban is currently in effect. Abortion is not currently accessible in Texas. 
And as you pointed out yesterday, the United States Supreme Court, the highest court of the land, heard oral arguments in two cases that are challenging the Texas abortion ban. One of the cases was brought by providers and other abortion rights supporters, and the other case was brought by the Biden administration's Department of Justice. So after about three-ish hours of arguments between the two cases and many questions from the justices, um, some very involved, many posing hypotheticals, um, the discussion was largely procedural, intricately so. Um, Abortion was rarely discussed. But now the fate of whether or not um, the law can continue to be challenged is at the, the foot of the court. And so this is really significant for a handful of reasons, um, gravity, timing and composition of the court specifically. So the Texas ban, as you mentioned, effectively overturns Roe v. Wade. Um, but also because it's unprecedented enforcement mechanism, it has really broad implications for what states can and cannot do. So whether states can sort of insulate themselves from federal review when enacting unconstitutional laws. Um, There's also just a lot of other um, legal challenges around abortion bans kind of swirling at this same time. Um, Many people know that The Supreme Court had accepted a Mississippi abortion ban um, case, which has been slated for oral arguments on December 1st. So that's also upcoming. And we also know that other states like Missouri have already promised in the wake of Texas's SB8 to um, introduce similar sort of copycat legislation. But also, I think most significant is that people are without access to comprehensive reproductive health care that is, in fact, constitutionally protected. And we know that those who are hurt the very most by abortion restrictions are young people, black folks and other people of color, people living in rural areas, immigrants, you know, marginalized Americans already facing discriminatory obstacles to health care. So um, and also the court is different now. Justice Ginsburg was replaced by Justice Amy Coney Barrett, giving the court a solid conservative majority. So there's a lot happening in reproductive rights and justice right now that will have long term and possibly game changing consequences. And I think I would be uh, and maybe you the same talking about actually I forgot to mention today's election day. So do you have anything to bring it to like what how this affects people in Missouri and maybe what that means for for a special election day, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. So um, what can people do about it and why is this significant to Missourians? Well, as I mentioned, um, members of the Missouri legislature have already promised to introduce similar um, legislation to that of Texas and also, um, I'm sure, a number of other um, restrictions to reproductive and sexual health care. Um, and so what... Missourians can do is keep paying attention, stand up, speak out, um, donate to those providing direct support to people in need if you are so inclined. But Samir, to your point, today is an election day. And though it won't change cases currently pending before the courts, an election is an opportunity for all of us to vote our values and elect lawmakers in our communities that ultimately do make law. So. Today, um, there's not an election everywhere, but if you check with your local election authority to find out if there's a special election in your area, I would definitely encourage everyone to get out there and vote. 
Um, but also um, next year will be a very big election year, especially here in Missouri. And so I would just implore all of the listeners out there to just stay engaged, keep your voter registration current, and please vote. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. That was Mandy Haxith with the Missouri Family Health Council. You can find out more information at mfhc.org or Twitter at MOFHC or Facebook at Missouri Family Health Council. And now to finally get into some weather, weather this evening. Right now we're looking at a high of 49 and it is currently still around 35 degrees. Then Wednesday, I don't think it'll get any, uh, get any warmer, but the low is going to be uh, freezing. And then again on Thursday, we're at a low of 30 and a high of 49. So it looks like we're finally settling into fall winter weather. And then on Friday, we have a low of 29, high of 52. On the weekend, lows of 34 and a high of 59. And then finally on Monday, we'll have a low of 38 and a high of 61. All right, guys, coming up. At 6 p.m. on Evening Edition, we have Laura Wacker as your host. Dan Vietz will be on at 7 for Sex, Drugs, and Civil Liberties. For the KOPN Wake Up Call News Team, I'm Samir Knox. We have producer and general manager Sarah Catlin here. Up next is Democracy Now! coming shortly. Thank you very much. <laughs>